0: It's like it's it's towards yeah. the end of
1: the day. It's not our normal day to record. We're just like, this
0: is crazy.
1: <laughs> we're throwing off our own routine by trying to be like proactive. And it's right. like <laughs> <laughs> clearly it's like, not what? working well. <laughs>
0: no, you guys have no idea. Just for the first
1: couple of minutes. <laughs> just for our intro, just That's to say intro. our names.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's but fun. I bought new,
1: um, like, office supplies. Oh, shoot. Which I just remembered that I still have more office supplies downstairs. So they just <laughs> threw into the garage like it was already trash. Um, nice, nice. But well, that's bought, okay. Like, you
0: put your other office supplies away. And now you can make room for the other new stuff. Ooh. Yeah. I bought pork a cork board? board?
1: It is. And it's just You're a little right. one, but it came as, like, a two-pack. So I have two of them. Nice. There's something you said about a cork
0: board, which is really silly.
1: But I dig it. There is. And I showed you my Himalayan salt lamp that goes on my desk.
0: Yeah. That's a little bit of like some Um, wellness action going on.
1: Yep, 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 yep. And then I can't be basic, so I bought nice fancy like thumbtacks for my cork boards.
0: Those are fancy.
1: They're they're all sorts of fun colors. they're just, yeah, fun colors versus like the basic like clear ones. I didn't want the.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually have to get some because I have like
1: three. <laughs> of course, I can like, oh. with like nice little like wooden round thumbtacks. Um, it's amazing what makes me happy as an adult. Right? Oh my. I know. <laughs> I was like, I was like, ooh,
0: I have, I have a set of dry erase markers. I yeah. have my, I have my review. Ruby- I don't know if I ever showed this to you, but it's really funny. Um, <laughs> it's it's a cat, but its butthole is a pencil sharpener.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised that that is on your desk. I know.
0: <laughs> so I have my pencil sharpener
1: cat butt. <laughs> yeah, I bought like a tape dispenser and a stapler. That's the stuff that I accidentally threw in the garage um, because I didn't open that box. Yeah, nice. yeah, nice, good. Um, good but yeah, there's like a stapler in there and. Isn't it funny oh, no. how he, like get
0: so excited about office supplies? Like sometimes Kevin yeah. makes fun of me because I just go to the office supply store near me and I just look around and I'm like, what do I need? Do I need pens? Do I need amazing pens that write really well? Because every vet tech under the sun needs good pens. Yes. Do I need a, a scissor? Just like scissors that maybe um, work better on
1: paper than the one that I have
0: or, you know, just yeah. random
1: stuff. Mm -hmm. My favorite thing is when I consider buying another planner, even though I have several and I don't use them, even Mm -hmm. though I should. I have a thing for binders right now. I get that too, because I look at my binders up there and I'm kind of like, I could always use another one. I don't know what for, but I mean, I bought my little like desk organizer thing to like put papers in and stuff mm, and-
0: nice nice this is what happens when vet techs like start a business
1: <laughs> We're like we need all the supplies to make I our feel obligated office amazing yeah <laughs> yeah basically i'm like i'm gonna lecture more let me have all the pens and all the <laughs> highlighters right. and-, and our textbooks <laughs> that we bought i mean
0: Dude, I want to, I was really, I kept looking at my email today to see if they were here so I could go pick them up, but they're not here yet. And I'm really sad because I I really want (sighs) to attack them. If you have no idea what we're we're talking about, um, we dorked out and we spent some money, which I (laughs) may have some buyer's remorse just because we got some bills to pay, Um, but, (laughs) but we got like a copy of the Ettinger's. And a co- copy of the Kirk's veterinary therapy manual and an endocrine book. And if you know anything about internal medicine, those, uh, the Endgers and the Kirk's is, is, is kind of a, it's like the doctor version of our small animal internal medicine for veterinary technicians book. Yeah. So
1: it's a little <laughs> intense for sure, but it's just like,
0: yeah, but the references are so good. So good. Yeah. We use them quite a bit for these episodes. <laughs> so, yep. We just expanded our uh, our library and our library. I can give my the my doctor her books back.
1: <laughs> I know, I can give my doctor his book back too and for now I'm sure I'll find one I like the, I like the critical care book so I take that one frequently too.
0: Oh, I found that one on eBay and snagged a copy because because mm, if you can find them on I need eBay, to not go shopping
1: I need to not look <laughs>
0: <laughs> right we're like talking about all things apparently we're doing a little retail therapy right now we're just like oh yeah cool which is yeah. funny because again I do have some buyer's remorse because those books were not cheap so but
1: yeah and I'm trying to buy a house so it's <laughs> like stop spending
0: money <laughs> right
1: <sighs> oh
0: <laughs> uh, anyways yeah all that stuff. And then uh by the way, I know this is really silly, but um apparently if your cat has back problems, skipping a dose of prednisone or prednisolone, because he's a cat, um, skipping a dose of pred is a bad thing. Well, <laughs> like I ran out and like the order's coming today. In fact, my I just oh. looked and I think it delivered today. Um, but I so like, he didn't get a dose last night or this morning. And this morning I was like, oh man, like he's super ataxic again. He like stumbled and I was just like, wow, I feel like a bad mom. So anyways, uh, can't skip doses for him. Apparently. Um, yeah, there's no, there's
1: no weaning off of that.
0: There's no weaning off of that. Apparently he just needs to be on that two and a half twice a day for the rest of his life which the neurologist told me, but I didn't think that skipping one dose was going to be that
1: dramatic of an effect. I was just like, okay. Spoken like every true client, Yvonne. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Cause I'm right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You are apparently. Mm-hmm. So anyways, um, yeah, he's, he
1: got his pred this evening and I'm like, please feel better. Cause I feel like a jerk mom. So I was thinking about this though. Like I'm such a non-compliant, like just patient in general too. Cause like, I have a follow-up appointment coming up with my doctor to check my vitamin D levels. And it, mm. she's like, have you been taking them? And I was like, no, I haven't. So now I was Damn. talking to Matt about it. I was like, dude, my follow-ups like next week I was like, and when I scheduled it, I was like, yeah, I'm going to consistently take my vitamin D. And, um, cause my, my vitamin D levels were, I guess, like drastically low, like Sam girl, same. bottom level low. Yeah. So I was like, dude, I just need to push the appointment back because it'd be a waste of my money to even go and have it checked. Cause I know it's still going to be low. Cause I feel like, I mean, I took the pill tonight. Um, and then I think I took one on like, I don't know, four days ago.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> just
1: get And before or, that had been weeks. So it's or like, or you just, can just
0: recheck it and be like, yep, still
1: low. And then actually remind yourself that you just need to do it. I, well, I'm, I just need to do it, but I'm still going to reschedule my appointment. I'm just a non-compliant owner. So like, Well, I will say as myself. someone
0: who is also vitamin D deficient. And I think I told you this, I yeah. noticed a huge difference when I yeah. don't take my vitamin D in as far as like my mental, like status and just everything
1: well it came up because Mm. I called because my joint pain was like it was Mm. so horrible last week like it was I was like crawling on the floor at some points because I was just like in so much pain and um so I called my doctor to see if there's anything else I could do besides NSAIDs because naturally when I call about the NSAIDs they're like well just be careful because lupus can affect your kidneys and we don't want to shoot your kidneys down before before your lupus does so I was like Great. So is there anything else can I like I can do, like gabapentin or whatever? But they told me no and then they gave me the spiel on how I need to take my vitamin D because that can help with pain and depression. And yeah. So I'm just
0: And as an internal medicine technician, remember the correlation between vitamin D and calcium? You don't want to get out of calcium. So um
1: take your vitamin D, gosh darn it. I'm aware. It's just like, it's, <laughs> it's like that catch 22. It's like my depression has been kind of bad lately. So like, I don't want to do anything, but it's mm-hmm. like, I know that I need to do these things in order to get my depression back under control. Well, you know, it's kind of funny because the, something that I notice
0: is like, I have to have a routine, right? So yeah, I put, I put all of my stuff. So like my thyroid, my vitamin D, my, like, um, my, my antihistamine because I also need that because it's been bad lately um I put that all together <laughs> and I know this is really funny, but I had it in one pl- place because I thought I would see it there and take it. That didn't work yeah. um but if I put it right next to my cat's medication because I feel really guilty if I screw up his regimen, <laughs> it reminds me to take my meds. So you just need to find a place. That is like consistent that you go to every single day. Yeah.
1: Put your meds there and take them, and make it. I thought about putting them in the bathroom for like when I brush my teeth and stuff, but you know how much I hate drinking water after I brush my teeth. So do it before it's you It's a thing brush for teeth. me. I guess I didn't think about that.
0: Yeah, just take your meds before you brush your teeth drink <laughs> you some water, and then you're like, oh, now yeah. time to brush my teeth.
1: Oh my goodness! <laughs> my brain is just—that's
0: <laughs> the thing. You just have to like figure out the routine that's going to work for you and make it so it's not a battle to like do your wellness stuff. Because when yeah. it's a battle, it's not fun and you don't do it. And uh, I'm trying to figure out how to do that myself, and it's—it um, is a struggle. <laughs> I can get like two things on my list done on a regular basis. But not all of it so
1: yeah it was like yeah today i had a plan to do a bunch of stuff but then like nothing went according to plan
0: like (laughs) well because like a lot of last minutes and dogs yeah and so those derail everything
1: (laughs) yeah because i had someone come over and look at the puppies today to maybe take one and then like i went and looked at a house today and it's just like and then like everything just took a long time because i had to actually do stuff other than just like look at yeah. things <laughs> so I was like yeah Ugh. and then we had kickboxing and g- gymnastics oh and then Bailey had like some interview this morning with a news team about gymnastics so that like and we got invited to do that last night same with oh, the house cool. thing so it's like everything was like a last minute decision on like just my day today <laughs> I was, like that's really cool though that, so. that Bailey got to do that that's awesome Yeah. Yeah. She's super excited. And we go to camp on Sunday. I'm super excited. (laughs) She loves it. All right. I got to pause for. So that's our update just
0: from a couple of days. (laughs) Yep, I'm a hot mess
1: this week. That is my update.
0: (laughs) It's not a hot mess. You're, 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 well, I was going to say thriving, but maybe surviving. How about surviving? We can say that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah 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 surviving is good yeah i'm looking forward to my vacation next week
0: i know it'll be really good for you to relax and take some time out especially with all your crazy overnights you're doing because again yeah healthy balance to your work yeah is, is yeah good thing so as we my all know, definitely technicians should uh take a moment to m- monitor that yep yep <laughs>
1: So anyway, this week we're talking about, I really like the name you chose for this episode. (laughs) I know. I was
0: very excited. Are are you guys like a little nerd? I (laughs) definitely a little bit of a nerd on this one. Are you you ready? You guys probably already know it because you downloaded the episode and probably saw the title, but in case you're not looking at your phone or your computer, it's called space invaders, pneumothorax, pyothorax and chylothorax. Yeah. I was trying to think of something really cool about how the heck do you link all these together? It's because they invade spaces and that's how that came in. So if you have I, no idea cluttered. why that's nerdy, then um, I don't know what to tell you. Such a
1: good game. <laughs> Even I know that one. You no, know, I'm impressed. It was funny. So speaking of my weird schedule, I was on call to work overnight tonight and my boss texted me. And he was like, hey, no, no patience tonight. So you're off the hook or whatever. Go party like it's 1999. And I was like, considering I was 10 in 1999, I probably will because that means bedtime at 930. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. <laughs> uh, oh god, I can't,
0: I can't, I can't have this conversation with you right now because New Year's 2000, that was the first New Year's that yeah. I can officially drink. So, um. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I was sick. I, like, had a fever, so I didn't even get to go out. <laughs> so I also that was, did not that was party a... very well. I was probably also in bed at the same time you were.
1: <laughs> that was, like, the classic, like, that was, like, the big J-Lo. Uh, I remember J-Lo being, like, huge. Because she had that, like, waiting for tonight. Can't sing the rest of the song because we'll mm. get in trouble. Right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Is that that year?
0: I don't know. I just remember Princess. Yeah, she's wearing. Yeah.
1: No, yeah. I I remember um, you know the end of the world mm. of two thousand.
0: Which hopefully, I mean, I don't know. Maybe somebody was ringing in the the new year with um, Space Invaders game, but probably not. I mean, I no, I can't say that there probably was somebody. It was like Definitely. sitting at home nerding out with Space Invaders. But anyways, so. Um, This episode, so we are going to be talking about the, the kind of the bigger three, um, which we mentioned. So pneumothorax, pyothorax, and chylothorax, there are two other ones, but we're not going to really get into it. So basically to start this conversation, so we, we talked about it in the basic respiratory episode. So again, if you, um, Mm -hmm. can't remember the respiratory basics, go back to that episode, So the pleura, which is the space outside of the lungs, right? So around the lungs, between the lungs and the rib cage. So the pleura is the space around. So the pleural space contains less than a teaspoon of fluid. So the pleural space, if if we talked about it, I think it was in the respiratory basics. So there's the visceral pleura and the parietal pleura and in between that um we have that fluid that lubricates um so again we don't have heart and lungs scratching up on the inside of the rib cage cuz that would be bad um so what happens is when things go wrong that pleura the pleural space can actually fill with a couple of different things so the first one that we're going to talk about is air which is pneumothorax Second is pus, which is pyothorax. Third is lymph fluid, which is chylothorax. We can also get clear fluid, which is called the hydrothorax. And we can get blood, which is a hemothorax. We're not going to be talking about the last two because then this episode would be like 10 hours long. So. It'd be so long. <laughs> we had to draw a line somewhere, guys. Um, so when we were kind of talking about the different ways that these happen and, and what to look for, we're going to try it. I'm going to try to break it down by the three different ones. Although there is a lot of crossover between them, especially when we're talking about like the diagnostics, but we'll start with the pneumothorax. So a pneumothorax is, is honestly, I th- I think, which one do you think is the most common? Uh,
1: probably probably pyothorax right yeah or hemothorax. i mean or a hydrothorax uh, because like i there is just plural effusion um from heart yeah, failure. yeah okay
0: well i don't know which one's the most common sorry thought which I'd one have interact?
1: i most commonly seen it's probably between a hemo and a pyo i've only seen like two pneumothoraxes Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, it's usually like trauma related. Hmm. That's true. Cause you're probably, I mean, yeah. I don't do a bunch of ER. Yeah. I was going to
0: say, you don't do ER or surgery. Yep. For me, oh, man. Yeah. I think hydrothorax because I think of like fluid overload and that kind of stuff. And And then failure. Yeah. And then I'd have to say
1: pyothorax. Yeah. I feel like I've seen it just. We had a run of hemothoraxes there for a while. Wow. But yes, pyo was it's always young cats that we see pyothorax in. Yeah.
0: So, and we'll talk kind of why, why it's usually young cats. Um, so pneumothorax, um, when we're talking about that, most commonly a pneumothorax is going to be a traumatic pneumothorax. So blunt force trauma. We're talking like hit by a car or being kicked by a horse. Um and so that what happens is it causes damage to the lung and you get what's called a closed pneumothorax. So it's it's not it's not communicating through the outside world through the chest. If that makes sense, like yes, you have communication obviously with the outside world through like your lung but not the chest. You can get Um, like a bronchial tree tear or a ruptured lung. If you get, if the chest is forcefully compressed against a closed glottis. Um, So again, that's like that blunt force trauma kind of thing. You can also get um, the pulmonary parenchyma can get torn because of shearing forces on the lung. So again, it kind of depends on what kind of trauma happened and how those lungs moved during that trauma. An open pneumothorax is definitely less common, but it is due to trauma. So, like this is your gunshot wound, fight or stab wounds, um, laceration, secondary to like rib fractures. I just think of sucking chest wounds. <laughs> like whenever I think of like open pneumothorax, I think of those sucking chest wounds. Um, and what happens is if there's a large defect in the chest wall. Like, so you've got, you know, this is a large hole. Basically Um, what happens is every time the animal breathes out, like the lungs get a little bit collapsed and air rushes in and then it causes more of a pneumothorax. So that's that sucking chest wound where every single time they breathe out more air gets sucked into the chest cavity but the problem is it doesn't just push out it stays in there and it collapses the
1: lungs and the heart even further which is crazy have i mentioned during the series about how much i really don't like respiratory stuff (laughs) i think it's because you have asthma (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't like not being
0: able to breathe right so what can happen to is if we get this rapid equalization of atmospheric, so just around you and interpleural pressure, then that, that really messes with the normal function of how we breathe. Um, so again, if you remember the that's inside of our chest, you,
1: like scuba dive. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I thought I've heard of it.
1: Been Scuba diving.
0: No, I can't do it. My ear's. I, I can't
1: <laughs> like,
0: nope. But yeah, so remember the inside of your chest is a negative pressure. So that's how that's how we breathe is, is the negative pressure within our chest helps suck in the, the air. Um, so if it's the same pressure as outside the chest, then your lungs just aren't gonna expand, which is bad. You can also get a pneumomediastinum. Which is kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. Um, and I've so that. Is, have you really? Ugh. I don't yeah. know if I, I'm not sure if I have. Like, I
1: bet you, I bet you, I probably have. I just we just didn't call it that. So I say, every time I've seen it, it's always been like a tracheal tear or an esophageal tear. Yeah, so
0: that that definitely so exactly so tracheal bronchial or esophageal deficits. That's what's going to cause the air to go into the mediastinum. Um, so that's it's scary because that's that's where your heart is. <laughs> so yeah. when you get increased pressures on your heart,
1: you know, heart stops beating as efficiently. It's kind of all bad. Um I can't wait till we talk about pericardial effusion. Oh yeah. <laughs> makes like we makes, think pleural effusion's bad. <laughs> like. Right,
0: exactly. Yeah, pericardial all sorts of bad. Yeah. So the other thing that can happen, and this is actually ones that I've seen um, more recently, um, just because of where I'm at, is a spontaneous pneumothorax. So, what happens with a spontaneous pneumothorax usually is there's along the edges of the lungs, there is this like little balloon outpouching, and we call it a bullet or a bleb formation. Um, And that is just, it's think of it like if you've ever seen like a balloon where it has like a, just a weak spot and it just like pooches out right there.
1: Yeah. That like overstretched area.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that's exactly what it looks like uh, on the lungs. And so what happens is it gets really thin right there. And then if enough pressure happens, it just like ruptures and then, then you get that pneumothorax. And so we'll talk about how to fix that. (laughs) Um, but the reason for that happening is that tissue has to be compromised somehow. Um, and so the common ways for it to be compromised in dogs is cancer, bacterial infection, pulmonary abscess, fungal infection, heartworm disease, pulmonary thromboembolism, or grass on migration, AKA foxtail because they suck for cats. It's usually inflammatory airway disease. Heartworm infection, lungworm infection, bronchopulmonary dysplasia, or we just don't know why. <laughs> so <laughs> good old cats. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, and it's not super frequent in cats, actually. Like no. it's it's usually a dog thing, but I think I've only ever seen it.
1: two bull eyes on a dog. Um, I've seen a couple. Um and they didn't rupture, or they hadn't yet.
0: Oh. The ones we had definitely ruptured. And so then they ended up in surgery. And a co- and I think a couple of them were foxtails. Like that's what, because they were younger dogs. And that's what we found was foxtail just went through the lungs and then went into the pleura. Well, Mars looks bad. It's horrible. Like what are <laughs> these foxtails? Like, why do they still exist? <laughs> I mean, I have them all over my yard right now. I will take a picture and send it to you. They're horrible. They're just these like, wheat looking grass things i i i don't know why they exist <laughs> they're just a weed to just like stab creatures in the <laughs> yeah,
1: <earth>. and travel
0: <laughs> uh,
1: yeah foxtails wow are horrible yep i'm <sighs> not upset that i don't have those here and i will just keep up with my yellow pollen clouds ah oh, take that over your foxtails it's very polleny
0: right now too, but not like the pollen cloud that you talked about. So
1: we get love yeah. bugs too. Do you have love bugs? I don't even know what that is. They're little black bugs, and they make love. That's why they're called the love bugs because they're always two that are stuck together. Ew. And they just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, nope. But they're called true. love bugs. They're they're just annoying. But like in August, it'll just be like you cannot walk like anywhere without like running into these bugs they're almost like lightning bugs without the like glowing butt they're just like okay yeah they're extremely harmless but they're extremely annoying Mm. yeah no no but Mm. they don't even fly fast so it's not even like that creepy like (laughs) like past your head it's just like they fly slow because they're making love in the air as they fly and it's just like (laughs) so Uh, you
0: know what's crazy is i because everything's like oh heartworm infection and i'm like "Mm, not a thing here
1: yeah yeah no no i'll have to worry about now i guess for lug bullies (laughs) i know oh my god you will oh poor poo um and her heartworm disease (laughs) right
0: hopefully she'll feel better soon Yeah. So the second on our list is a pyothorax or a pus. So a pyothorax also known as a thoracic empyema. We just learned a new word guys. (laughs) Um, Literally never heard it called that. Never. I've always heard it called pyothorax. I wonder if thoracic empyema is like the human way of saying it. Like, human I mean, medicine, not, like, we're people and we say it. I mean, like, the human medicine way of saying it.
1: <laughs> huh. I like that like, <laughs> you had to clarify that. Know, like, you right? knew that somebody would be, like... As opposed to the alien creatures that we are saying this. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a firm believer that there's some aliens out there. I
0: mean, I'm a resident alien. Does that count?
1: No. I'm talking about, live. like, actual, like, Earth not from Earth aliens. I mean, maybe I'm not actually from here. Who knows? <laughs> That's what I mean. Like you don't know. I'm convinced that maybe some of my dogs are not from here. <laughs> but it, I all I can think of is the Disney movie. Which one? Lilo and Stitch? Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. I think of, so, I mean, like, naturally when I talk like this, I'm thinking of Roxy because she's just not right. Like, (laughs) she's just, she's like Stitch. She growls all the time. She's mean. Like, she's just like, she's
0: not so ancient.
1: No, she's been mean her whole life. All right, okay. So Anyway, let's go back to talking about pus in the lungs. The
0: humans call it (laughs) thoracic and pyema. Um, so empaima. this is an empaima. It sounds it sounds so it's, fancy.
1: It sounds like a Spanish dish. Empanada. Like empanada. <laughs>
0: nice. Thoracic empanada. Um, don't say that, guys. <laughs> it's an empaima. Um, so this and you can say that next time you see a pile of thorax, you'd be like, oh, it's a thoracic empaima, and sound like really cool, except everybody will make fun of you. So maybe don't say it. (laughs) So this is accumulation. Your your anxiety is peeking through. I know. (laughs) I was like, I'll stop now. Uh, This is accumulation of septic purulent fluid. Yuck. Use the word purulent guys, fluid within the plural space. This is, so sometimes it sucks because sometimes we just never figure out where the infection came from. Um, so it could yeah. be oral cavity. It could be upper respiratory tract, It could be who knows. So we, we think that's where it comes from. And that's the most common um, source of the microorganisms within dogs and cats, definitely foreign objects like foxtails or grass ons 100% can cause it. That's usually
1: when I see pyothorax and then you like, um, when I see it most often I know we we're going to talk about how like we see it a lot in cats mm. but like I feel like I see it a lot in um young cats typically but I feel like too maybe like the tomcats that fight a lot
0: oh yeah yeah definitely um I think we talk about it a little bit later um okay that that's definitely one of the ways is 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 the puncturing wound so looking for that yeah <clears throat> and so the problem is is once once bacteria gets in there <laughs> it just multiplies cuz it's a nice little space for that um and so it's like the
1: perfect little breeding ground
0: yeah it's nice and warm has some moisture it's great a little
1: moist yeah <laughs> plenty of oxygen exactly um
0: so inflammation occurs and then these patients are typically um have a fever whereas like a pneumothorax you're not going to have a fever from from that so the third one we're going to talk about is a chylothorax. Oh, I want to talk about this one. Yes. Um, which is funny because I don't think I've ever seen a chylothorax in a dog. I've only really seen it in cats. Oh, really? Nope.
1: Yeah. My very first plural fusion case of my entire career was a dog with pylothorax or chylothorax. With- I was like, wait, which one? With chylothorax. Okay. With chylothorax. Yeah. Are you ready? You want to see this one on? It was a... I definitely want to take this one on <laughs> because right. it's an accumulation of chyle within the thorax. It's pretty uncommon, mm-hmm. but naturally like me being just like obsessive, I looked it up to see like exactly like what causes it. <laughs> so chyle is like a milky, it has like a milky appearance and contains like small molecules of fat. Um, after eating food is digest- digested and the fatty component of the meal is further broken down into smaller molecules. And those are called chylomicrons. Which is um, kind
0: of a cool term.
1: Just, it is a cool term. When and I looked like this the, up,
0: I was like, oh, I'm going to keep that in these notes.
1: <laughs> yeah. And like I said, the very first pleural fusion case I've ever seen was a Kylo thorax case in a dog um, who was a Sheltie. Do you remember, was it an older or younger dog? It was an older dog. And hmm. so this was during my externship and he would just come in and have his chest drained periodically like once whenever he mm. started feeling kind of crummy mm-hmm. and then he'd just go about his life and then he'd come back like six weeks later and do it again and he was so good for it too he laid on top of this box that they had made like they had made specifically for this procedure so he would lay on top of it and then the fluid would like could drain down it was yeah. cool yeah um anyway so intestinal lymphatic system that travels to a structure called the cisterna chyli. It's located in the front portion of the abdomen near the kidneys, and this absorbs the small molecules or the chylomicrons. Yes. Um, The CC is a lymphatic reservoir that receives chyle from the intestines, but also receives lymphatic fluid from the rest of the abdomen and the pelvic limbs. So the thoracic duct though, so because everybody's, I'm sure like, that's great. That's all in the abdomen. <laughs> does that have to do with uh, when I when I think of
0: cor- when I thought of the chylothorax, I just thought of thoracic duct. And if you yeah. work in surgery, you know why. Um but I didn't even know there was yeah. this, like other thing in the abdomen that connects to this, which I was like, what? So anyways, okay,
1: yeah. okay. I'll stop. So the thoracic duct is the extension of the CC into the chest. And what it does is it carries Kyle into the thoracic cavity and eventually empties its contents like into the cranial vena cava close to the heart, which is kind of not crazy. normally into the chest, like no, normally, in, no, like just, just directly said. into the chest. <laughs> um, so in Kylothorax, though, there's an abnormality in the thoracic duct that causes it to leak Kyle into the thoracic cavity, which I find amazing, like um, that it usually always happens to the thoracic duct and not to like. Anything else to leak like into the abdomen. So, lymphatic fluid though contains protein, white blood cells, and vitamins. Loss of a large amount of chyle into the thorax can weaken the immune system and create severe metabolic disorders. But chyle is also like an irritant and chronic exposure to the lining of the lungs or the pleura and the heart, which is surrounded by the pericardium, can lead to inflammation of those surfaces with further with further consequences, but I don't like that comment because I feel like any sort of plural effusion is (laughs) highly irritating.
0: Yeah. And this, the, and this section was, there was a lot of information from the the American, uh, this, a lot of this section was from the American college of veterinary surgery or surgeons, because they deal a lot with chylothorax because that's one of the treatments for it. So we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Um, but definitely like we'll have the references in the, in the notes. Um, you can definitely check out some of the information they have. So as far as like, as far as history and like species breed predispositions age dispositions it it really varies there's it it, mm, there's not necessarily it can
1: yeah it can just be anybody because it really depends on Mm -hmm. the cause uh (laughs) yeah which is true i mean pneumothorax if you're talking
0: like trauma anybody can get it if you're talking bola I would say older animals probably versus younger, but I've seen it hundred percent in younger animals. Um, yeah. so I, I don't, you don't want to necessarily like, rule it out for anybody.
1: <laughs> well, and not to mention like we can cause it too. So it's like, you know, mm. if we overinflate the chest or if we tear mm. the trachea, mm-hmm. um, or from like an esophageal form body. So any patient can potentially have any of these complications for sure. So yeah.
0: Um, so one of the things that we will notice on like a physical exam is you'll listen to the chest and, and stuff sounds funny, right? So (laughs) (laughs) you'll have like reduced or muffled heart sounds or lung sound sounds, and it could be one side versus the other. Um, so it just, you're, it's one of those things, like if you're good at listening to chests and then you're like, I can't hear anything. Right. And you go, is my stethoscope working? (laughs) Dude, oh I do that all the time? <laughs> like, I'm like, that's eh, no, working. It's Why like can't this. I hear the heart? It's like this. You're like, yeah, no, I can still hear that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, but all of these, I, don't know. I was like, yeah, the the symptoms. Mm -hmm. or like the clinical presentation, maybe Mm. Um, breaths become labored naturally because it's virtually like they're drowning, but all the fluids on the outside of their lungs and not on the inside of their lungs or the air. Um, So, or the air, the substance that shouldn't be there is (laughs) yes. So labored rapid and shallow breathing. So dogs typically um, for like a pneumothorax will have increased respiratory rate sometimes coughing, anxiety, because as you can imagine, um, I feel like most of us would also (laughs) be anxious if we couldn't breathe. Mm -hmm. Um, Dusky blue mucus membranes. I feel like it looks very similar to the. uh, um, Just every
0: respiratory animal.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that too. Uh, Yeah, the just cyanotic in general. And then, like I said, an overinflated chest. Um, so they'll typically, I, I, I really think that they have more inspiratory effort in these patients. Yes.
0: Yeah. for Because they are for trying sure. to
1: overinflate inflate the chest. Um, and then an ortho orthopnic posture, um, and that occurs in an attempt to open the airway. So this, what that is, is we've talked about this before where mm-hmm. it, they're like stretching their neck out outward, um, positioning of like, to just, so they,
0: they also kind of like stretch their elbows out a little bit and that's to yeah, like, like bow them out, like to give their chest room to move. They're just like, oh, I'm trying to breathe. Like I, it's so funny because when I get in that position, it definitely makes me feel like I want to breathe better well
1: it's like you know you remember when doing sports as a kid and they always told you if you were having a hard time catching your breath like from after doing something to put your hands over your head so you you mm. like widen your chest that way that's true by like yeah. putting your hands on your head and like getting your elbows away yeah anyway i hmm.
0: wonder if that's what people do i wonder if that's their orth- orthop orthopnic position
1: hmm. i mean probably i bet you <laughs> Well, yeah. Because anytime I've, anytime I have an asthma attack, I do that. Hmm. Interesting. I put my hands on my head and I'll just kind of like try to take deep breaths and mm. it helps. Hmm. I, don't so, I don't necessarily stretch my neck out. <laughs> right. You're like, okay. Um, with
0: cats, it's a little bit different just because again, they don't get pneumothoraxes very often, but it's a little different. Yeah. Um, So they do have the respiratory distress, including respiratory rate and effort being increased. They'll cough. They, they, a lot of times will collapse. And part of that is it doesn't take much to overwhelm them because usually their chest cavities are much smaller. So like 10 mils of air is very different in a cat versus 10 mils of air in a Labrador. (laughs) Um. They'll become lethargic, anorexic. They can do vomiting because, again, cats vomit for every reason. Um, and they might be hiding. So they just don't feel well. They're, they, they go into the hiding mode, which which is hard because you don't know why they're doing it. Um, and and I, I think, too, these, these different symptoms really, it depends on how severe that pneumothorax is and, like, how much is leaking and how quickly you know if it's just a little leak very different than if it's like a large sudden leak from like trauma um with the pyothorax we kind of talked about this again breaths become labored rapid shallow they have fevers jordan mentioned it um cats typically have bite wounds um so either from other cats or from dogs um dogs will have like plant materials such as foxtails so this is sometimes we're looking for these things we'll look for like wounds on their chest um if you can see them that's always great with a chylothorax they're coughing um it's usually a non-productive cough there's labored breathing um if there's a large loss of kyle into the chest cavity they can also lose a lot of vital nutrients because it's the, the fat soluble stuff, um, yeah, and so they can become that too. yeah. So they can become really lethargic. They can lose their appetite, and especially if it's been happening over an extended period of time, they can get weight loss from it and malnutrition. So, which is weird because you don't think about it, <laughs> but this is also part of the reason why we do three of you chest X rays on everything well, in internal medicine. I
1: bet you. I bet you they have some weight loss though, from like malnutrition, because like, if it relies on Kyle to reabsorb fat, to Mm -hmm. store fat, then like, if it's leaking into the chest and the body doesn't take up that fat, then. And all the fat soluble, yeah. And all the fat soluble vitamins
0: are, are leaking in there too. So that makes them have even more malnutrition because now it's not in their blood. Yeah. It's all. all, I bet you have a poor hair coat too. Probably like if it's, if it's been going on long enough for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with these, it's like the differential diagnosis list, um, all the respiratory things (laughs) and cardiac, right. And all the (laughs) cardiac. Um, so, uh, if we're looking at pneumothorax, um, differential diagnosis, part of that is going to be when you're doing a thoracocentesis, um, you're not getting negative pressure. You just keep sucking. And you're like, oh, this is really easy to ha- like to aspirate. And you're like, I just keep getting air. And you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> it's part of the differential diagnosis. The other also thing you
1: your like consent form too when doing a thorac- uh, thoracocentesis mm. that you can cause a pneumothorax.
0: Yeah, you can. It's, it's very very rare, but it's definitely possible to do it with a thoracocentesis. Yeah. The other thing is if you're doing a thoracocentesis and you get fluid, right. You're aspirating it. That tells us kind of what, what type of fluid we've got. Um, if it's a pyo, we talked about this, it's milky white slash pink. Um, and it's usually neutrophils and bacteria. If it's chylus, it's milky white to yellow. Um, and after you centrifuge it, it's it still separate. the same. You may get it's like crazy. a whiter plug at the top, yeah. but that's it. Like it doesn't, it doesn't separate out like the way you would
1: want you ever, to. Yeah. You ever see those documentaries about like how they pasteurize milk and like it just separates. So you have like the thicker milk on top of the regular milk. Like that's what mm. Kylo infusion does. Like when you try to separate it, it's just <laughs> white on white. It's cool. I like it.
0: (laughs) I'm like, great. The other thing with a chylothorax is uh, we'll need to figure out, is it cancer? Is it fungal disease? Is it heart disease? Is it blood clots within the cranial vena cava? Because a lot of those things have actually been associated with a chylothorax, but most of them are idiopathic chylothorax. So there's that. And then hemothorax, you're going to get blood hydrothorax. You're going to get clear fluid. Just think of like, I think of fluid overload with that one. So yeah, I think of like the straw
1: colored fluid
0: too from mm-hmm. heart
1: failure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um,
0: and, and we'll talk about this when we talk about a thoracocentesis, like how to do it, save your samples. <laughs> so when we're doing diagnostics, one of the big things, again, it's respiratory. You need to have all your respiratory nursing care. Stuff in the back of your brain because they are going to be critical. A lot of times they're already in distress. So this is one of those situations though, depending on what's going on. Um, yes, a thoracosynthesis can be stressful, but most of the times they actually feel better about halfway through. <laughs> like, oh yeah. They're like, oh, And, I I'm think they can tell and then too. they're like, oh, I can breathe. So, you know, you just got to give them some good drugs to like, not feel so painful from the thoracocentesis. Cause again, you're poking through, you know, the intercostal spaces. So between the ribs, it's not pleasant, um, you know, and they're, they're already struggling to breathe. So some of them are, are stressed and panicking. So, you know, using your tech skills and, you know, is really important. Blood work wise. Yes your chem light CBC
1: are important to just, you know, get your baselines, but I other guess than depending that, on what's in the chest, like if you have a hemothorax then you want to look at your coags and platelets and mm-hmm. PCV and all that stuff, but it really just. And then if you're talking depends. chylothorax, you know, do you have like low proteins,
0: do you have cholesterol issues? If you have a um, pyothorax, you know, are there, are there neutrophils sky high? and they're septic. Um, so, you know, they're, yes, you're going to be doing some of that blood work just to get some of the baselines. And then you've also got blood gases that you can do just to see kind of where they're at with their respiration. Although most of the times you can just tell, (laughs) Um, I don't think I do blood gases on animals with space invaders. Um, but you can, Mm -hmm. the biggest thing I think for these guys is going to be chest rads right? Cause we want to see what does it look like? Exactly. Yep. Three of you. Um, you can tell on chest rads that something is not right in that, in that chest, if it's air, it's going to look very different than if it's fluid. Um, so your thoracic radiographs are going to kind of clue you into what you're dealing with. Um, you know, is it air that we're worried about, or is it fluid? Um, if it's air in a pneumothorax, the heart, um, and, and lungs can actually be like elevated off of the sternum um, because the, the lung lobes are collapsing and everything's squishing down. So it kind of goes up. Um, if it's a pile or a chylothorax, you're just going to see that increased fluid density. Um, and so you might be able to see it on one side versus the other. Um, and then same with a hemothorax, if that's what you're dealing with. CT scan can be indicated, but that's only like if you're going to, well, it's not only. We only do it if you're looking for like a lesion specifically or foreign body and you're going to do like a thoracotomy or a minimally invasive thoracoscopy, just because most of the times you can tell what you need to with like chest rods. I don't know about you, but thoracocentesis and abdominocentesis, I think they're really cool.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely <laughs> like, mm. even um, like a pericardiosynthesis like I'm pretty okay with.
0: I'm okay. I I I don't mind assisting with it. They just, pericardial freaks me out because so many things can go wrong. But thoracosentesis usually not so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> um, a little bit
0: better. Yeah. So depending on, on the amount of respiratory distress of your patient and the accumulated amount of your space invader is going to kind of depend on how emergent this, so like, like you were just talking about, you have that dog that would come in every couple of weeks and just get his chest tapped. Um, yeah. so, you know, it could be, it takes a long time to build up or you can have a patient that it builds up super quick and you're doing. Or even, you know, you're almost having to do it continuously, which if that's the case, it's bad. So typically you're going to need at least three people for this procedure. I don't recommend doing it with two. Uh, you can, but it's it's not as, as good. So you've got one person who's going to be doing the poking, which is in my, sometimes it's the doctor. You've got somebody yeah, who's do. doing the aspirator or aspiration, Um, or setting up that portion of it. And then you've got at least one restrainer, sometimes two, depending on the size of the animal. Um, and that restrainer is also going to be like holding oxygen, holding arms out of the way, that kind of thing. You want to have flow by oxygen. If you can get an SpO2 monitor on them, that's great. Although sometimes they fight it again, don't fight them for a monitor. If you, you know, if they're struggling against it, just don't do it. Yes, it's ideal to have it, but let's get the fluid or
1: air out of their chest and then they'll feel better. You'll my favorite do... part about these is always counting like the amount after. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And you're it's like my oh. favorite
0: part. Yeah. So, and that's really important, is like you want to make sure you know how much you take out. You're going to want to do aseptic technique. So surgical scrub technique, right? You're going to sh- clip and clean as as long as it's not an emergency procedure, if it's emergency, obviously do what you need to do. Um, you'll have a needle or an IV catheter or a butterfly needle, whatever your kind of doctor's preferences for that. I have heard, I use the whole like extension sets and three-way stopcock and a lure lock syringe. Is that what you guys use? Yep. Exactly what we use. Yeah. There is, um, I think Mila has like a one-way valve set, which is kind of interesting. We have them, but like only certain people like to use them because they're a little bit more expensive, but they have like two extension sets and right in the middle is like this one-way valve. So you, it it takes the three-way stopcock out and makes it so you can aspirate and depress the plunger without
1: changing anything. Okay. So the reason why we use a three-way stopcock, or you have the one-way valve, right? Is because we don't want to cause a pneumothorax. So this is where we kind of said that we should put it on our consent forms when doing these procedures. But although it doesn't happen very often because we have the setup to help prevent it, it can definitely still happen.
0: The other thing too, is you don't want to push whatever you just took out back in. So that's the reason behind the one-way valve three-way stopcock doesn't always prevent you pushing things back in, but that's where technical skill comes in. (laughs) You'll want to have your tubes for your samples. So like we usually do like a lavender top tube and a white top tube to
1: just kind of get our samples. And then the little spin down tubes. That's what we do.
0: PCV tubes or
1: no, no, no. like the little little like serum separate. Oh, okay. You have like the little urine, urine sediment. sediment ones? Yeah. yeah. So I'll fill a couple of those. I'll fill the white top tube, with the purple top tube, and then I'll make a couple direct slides.
0: Nice. Yep. And then you'll want some sort of a bowl or a bucket <laughs> <laughs> to collect the fluid um, because you want to measure it. You'll want to count the number of syringes, especially if it's air, <laughs> because you can't measure it otherwise. Um, and then you can, you can use suction at a low setting if it's a large volume of fluid, but we don't generally like that, but you can. So, but it's, yeah. it's cool because like, I, the thing that I love about them is, you know, you get to a certain point and then all of a sudden you can see the animals just like stop panicking and feeling better and like taking a deep breath you're just like, Oh, they they're happy. They can breathe. Um, yeah. so that's, that's one of the coolest parts about it. Um, the other thing we can do is like, let's say, um, it builds up pretty frequently, what, whatever it is, whether it's air or fluid, we may need to place a chest tube and that's typically a surgical procedure. Um, we typically don't do these with them mm-hmm. awake, um, because it's a large, bore tube that goes intercostally. And so the chest tube can, you know, help with just like, instead of doing a thoracocentesis all the time, it can, you can either have intermittent or continuous aspiration of the chest. You just want to make sure that it's aseptic technique when handling them that you can, when you're, if you're doing like continuous suction of a chest tube, you can do them with a couple of bottles on a suction or they make like a pleurovac, which is a commercially available thing. But either way, you want some kind of water. You want to have that water that that is in between the patient and the room air. The reason for that is like the water itself would help prevent any air getting sucked back into the lungs. The other thing you can do is positive pressure ventilation if they're intubated and like, let's say it's fluid. So we can do that. Um, So like, If they're in severe respiratory distress and they go into respiratory failure, you can um, put them on a ventilator. Not super common, but you can. Testing, again, we saved all of our tubes, the fluid, and so we're going to send it off for cytology, look for body cavity effusion, or biopsy if we've done surgery and we have um, abnormal lung tissue. As far as treatment goes, we've If we do surgery or thoracocentesis, the one thing that we want to do is we want to make sure that um, if we have a chest tube in, we're monitoring the amount of fluids that we're collecting every day because there's a certain level where, you know, below that amount it's the chest tube that's causing the inflammation that's causing the fluid versus whatever is going on. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's approximately like if you were to have like a 50 keg dog, it's about four to five mils per hour. That's just considered from the chest tube. So it's, it's not a large amount, but it is something.
1: I think it's important to know the two. We definitely should be looking like treatment should be, ultimately geared towards finding the underlying cause mm-hmm. but sometimes obviously that doesn't always happen so things for like a pneumothorax like thoracos and t blood patch or surgery with the chest too yeah the blood then- patch is
0: kind of interesting because you can actually draw blood from them and then just inject it into the chest cavity and the theory mm-hmm. is that the blood still has like coagulants and stuff like that so it could in theory if there's a small enough tear, patch it up with blood, which is
1: crazy. I mean, it makes sense, I guess, if you're going to throw platelets at it and white blood cells and mm-hmm. coags. Yep. And then pyothorax is treated also with um, surgery with the chest tube, and then all the antibiotics. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Um, <laughs> no.
1: the, the approach to the antibiotics should really, it varies. Do a culture and see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: If you like, if you know, like, let's say, you know, it's a cat bite, then, you know, it's, you know, one of the bugs that's in a cat mouth, but you know, yes, ideally you're culturing it. So, you know, if they're going to be on the right antibiotic long-term.
1: Yeah. And that is a long-term medication. It's not just like a 14 day course of it. It's usually like six to eight week course of it. Yeah. Ugh.
0: um,
1: chylothorax, uh, chylothorax is also Treated by thorac synthesis or minimally invasive scoping into the chest cavity. <laughs> yeah, and, because you're looking for the leak. Yes.
0: Well, and we don't we don't do minimally invasive at my clinic just because my my surgeons aren't trained in it. Like they'll do surgical ligation. Um. So you, they can scope and do it that way um, mm-hmm. versus doing surgery. Um, The cool thing about surgery for most of these cases is it's 80% success rate. So they do um, surgical ligation of the thoracic duct. Um, And typically the reasons you would do this is if you have a patient who fails to improve um, with five to 10 days of medical management. Um, So if they fail to show improvement in five to 10 days of medical management, which is usually like a low fat diet, which can help, but not always, um, and supplements for fat soluble vitamins because they're pouring that into their chest. So that's one reason why you would do it. The other reason is if they're producing greater than 20 mils per kilogram per day of chylose fluid into the chest for greater than five days. And then the other reason is like malnutrition or hypoproteinemia. So those are reasons why you would want to do surgery. So that's just something for a client to kind of keep in mind. So like the dog you were talking about probably should have had a thoracic death ligation, but you know, sometimes clients don't want to do that because of other
1: concurrent diseases or how old the dog is, that kind of thing. I know we've had one recently, like within the last six months that they went and had that done, but Well, people before that.
0: Yeah. And all the ones that I've seen that have had it done, they do really well afterwards. Like it, yeah, it pretty much fixes it, which is great. It doesn't always like there are ones that doesn't work on, but most of the ones
1: I've seen have done really well, which is cool. Yeah. Um, so I think all these patients need to be kept quiet while the chest cavity heals,
0: <laughs> right? That's the big thing. Clients need to understand most of the times if especially if they've had surgery, like you're talking six to eight weeks of healing time, because usually there's some sort of bones or cartilage that has been cut to get into the chest cavity. So we just really need them to be quiet, um, and prevent further issues for pyothorax. Again, treatment with appropriate antibiotics is it, most of them recover really, really well and don't have a recurrence of it as long as you figure out what caused it in the first place. And again, chylothorax kind of depends on how their initial response is, as far as like how they're going to do long-term. So, but yeah. the big thing with these is going to be client communication and just nursing skills for respiratory patient. It's the tip of the week. <laughs> Take awesome. your vitamin D. <laughs> Take your vitamin D. Exactly. Um, now, the other tip of the week, when we're talking about the space invaders, I'm just going to say, make sure that they have proper oxygen supplementation and pain medications, just so that they, they don't feel it when you're doing thoracocentesis.
1: Yeah. Multimodal pain medications. You can do local block and exactly. do systemic.
0: Good job, Jordan. I know it's going be very happy with you for saying that. Uh, they better be. <laughs> and now for the question of the week.
1: Was your first pleural fusion case you ever saw? Was it a pyothorax? Was it a pneumothorax? Was it a chylothorax? Was mm. it just heart failure fluid? So hydrothorax? Um, let me know. I'm curious, considering, Dang. especially because mine was a chylothorax.
0: I don't remember the first one. I'm going to have to think about this. I might have to answer it in the comments. Yeah, so, that's a good one. Which one's your first one? Uh, all right. All right. Anything else we need to talk about this week before we wrap it up?
1: No, I think that's it. It's bedtime. It's bedtime. I know, it's
0: bedtime, sleepy time. All right. Hopefully you guys, um, if you're heading to work, we didn't make you too sleepy. And then if it's the end of your day, hopefully you can chill and relax and get some sleep. And, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll
1: talk to you guys next week. Yeah, we're doing infectious diseases next week. Oop, Oop. Whoop. Starting infectious diseases. <laughs> Get
0: away from the respiratory system.
1: Jordan's like, thank God. I know, <laughs> thank God. All right, guys, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to
0: today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at vettex.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.